Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your baseball is suspended home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about baseball and apparently life without baseball for Bleed Cubby Blue. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I am super excited about today's show. Hope you guys Same. love it. Yes, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, Andy, kick it off. Well, it is no secret the changes that the Chicago Cubs have made to their organization to embrace and become well-versed in the science of baseball. Namely, they have added a hitting lab in which they've hired some up-and-coming names that they hope will make an immediate impact at the way the club approaches hitting the baseball. One of those names, Rachel Folden, the minor league hitting coach and lead lab tech for the Chicago Cubs organization, is joining us today to allow our listeners to get to know her and what she brings to the table. Rachel, welcome. Hi, ladies. How are you? Thanks for having me. We are so excited if you can't tell. Like, I am totally fangirling right now because I love you, Rachel. <laughs> uh, well, I'm happy, to, I'm happy to talk baseball with uh, some women. It's kind of fun. You know, I've been surrounded by a bunch of men for a little while, so it's nice to talk baseball with some girls. <laughs> oh, you have come to the right place to talk baseball with some women who love baseball. That's what we do here. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I just took that as she favors us over the Chicago Cubs, and I'll take that any day. <laughs> Careful. Careful. Cubs, I'm on the Cubs payroll, so we That's need right. with those types of things. Oh, no. I'm teetering on one of those lines already, and we're like 30 seconds into the podcast. Sorry, Cubs. I'm just kidding. Obviously, she does not favor me over you guys. Okay. <laughs> just, just to kick this off, though, Rachel, just to get a little personal background on you. Um, obviously you have a softball background, which I'm just going to let you know, I played college softball. I still play softball to this day. So this is why I like, I'm so excited to have you on. Um, Very cool. Yes. Yes. So you have a softball baseball background. Um, I know that you wanted to play baseball when you were younger growing up in California, but you ended up on the softball track, which no one is mad about, but can you <laughs> tell us what some of your first and favorite baseball or softball memories were and what exactly drew you to the game and I happen to think that um, you probably have already really enjoyed the work that you've gotten to do in the very short amount of time that you've gotten to do it um, this season, if you will, and who you've enjoyed working with the most up until this point. Um, Well, to start from the beginning, I have four brothers and one sister, so we've got a little bit of a big family, and my dad is a big baseball fan, and then my older brother is a big baseball fan as well and he played baseball and he's four years older than me and I just wanted to do everything that he did so I played baseball with him and my earliest memories of and honestly my favorite memories of of falling in love with the game were when we were on summer vacation summer break and we would I grew up in southern California so we would draw a chalk strike zone on the garage and on the garage door and one of us we'd get a you know go to Kmart and buy like a tube of tennis balls and we would just play baseball outside. He would pitch to me until I got three outs and then I would pitch to him until he got three outs and we would just do that all day long and we kept stats. We we kept home run stats. That was the only stat we ever cared about was how we did <laughs> more home runs. And um, you know, that was just how I learned how to play. You know, I learned how to throw, I learned how to run, I learned how to hit just by playing, going outside and playing with my brother and with the neighborhood kids so was, those are my earliest and most favorite memories and as far as like now I, I was transferred over into you know the coaching side is 
Um, I don't really have a favorite player yet. I haven't spent enough time with them. Um, you know, I, I, I went through instructional camp, uh, two instructional camps, and then four days of minor league spring training, and then we got shut down. So I haven't really spent a ton of time with the players um, as far as one group of players for an extended period of time. But I can tell you that it's really, really awesome to see some of the youthful energy that I when I played. And you can see that coming through, especially with the Latin players who just love playing baseball. You can just see the love of the game and how much they just enjoy playing baseball. And I think that's, that's my favorite part about coaching is just finding the joy in, in the players. Now, can I just oh, can I just say I also have memories of it, my dad drawing like the strike zone on our little like carport garage thing in the yard, and it was one of my favorite things. It was me, my dad, and my brother, and that was our baseball game in the neighborhood for wow, I I don't even know until my brother started playing little league and we got to move to the actual ball fields. Yeah, it's just so cool to hear like just going outside and playing. I mean, we were just, we were made to. My, my dad would get us up on the weekends. You know, my parents were divorced, so my dad would get us up on his weekends, and he would just say, get up and make your bed and go outside. And that was what we had to do, and he wanted us to be kids. And, well, we were. We, we played a lot outside, and we did some damage out there. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> that is amazing. I have to ask you really quick, because I read somewhere that you were working on your Spanish, because you felt like that was kind of a barrier with you and um, the the Latin players that you are working with. So has your Spanish yep. gotten any better? Yeah, you know, uh, immersion is the greatest way to learn anything. So being around the players on a daily basis, you start to pick up on terms. And it's really funny because you start to learn that, like, they're big fans of American baseball. Right? They, they want to make Grande Liga. They want to make the big leagues. And so they use a lot of the same terms we do. They just say it with an accent. And it's really interesting to hear. Um, you know, my mom is my mom is an Ecuadorian immigrant. She came over here when she was, I think, like eight or nine. And so my mom speaks fluent Spanish, but she never spoke it in the house. And so she wanted us to learn English. And so, you know, when when I'm hearing these these guys speak Spanish, they used to always make fun of my mom for talking in Spanish. And I really regret that now. I wish she would have spoke more Spanish in the house. She really would have helped me. But yeah, the I'm I'm you pick up on a lot of things um, as far as the slang and everything else. And it's amazing how, you know, I have a pretty good base understanding of sentence structure and how to speak Spanish. So it, it comes back pretty quick. So I can understand it pretty well. Um, it's taken me a little bit longer to speak it, but I'm getting there. Oh my gosh. So I also grew with, <laughs> my dad is a Mexican American and he speaks Spanish fluently. So does his entire family. And he didn't speak it around the house either because he wanted my brother yeah. and I speaking English growing up in Utah. And I, same deal. My brother and I both like wait, like spend all this money on like Rosetta Stone and stuff trying to get our yeah. Spanish better. I mean, it's it, it, it's really funny, but like even my mom suggested that. She's listen, she's like, I'm not a teacher. I, if you want to pick up Rosetta Stone or Babel or something, she's like, she she took. She did Rosetta Stone before she went on a trip to Japan a few years ago and she did Rosetta Stone to learn some Japanese and she goes, that was amazing. She was like, if you want to do that to learn Spanish, you'll probably learn it quicker than I could teach you. <laughs> that was pretty funny. 
That's, that's awesome. I was going to say, I've been using Duolingo. That's another one. I was using that because I'm actually supposed to be in Spain right now. So I was using oh, that yeah. to, br I'm, to brush up on my Spanish. My father was also Mexican and his whole family on that side speaks fluent Spanish, except for my, my dad. He never, never spoke Spanish. So, um, right. yeah, so I, I have, you know, I have the, the Hispanic side also, but just nobody ever taught it to us. So now I'm teaching myself. So <laughs> it's, it's been interesting. Hey. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Uh, amen, right? And it's never too late. <laughs> I'm kind of loving this like all Latina podcast episode. <laughs> I'm going to jump a tiny bit ahead actually from where we were going to go. You were just talking about your mom and I just have to say, so Andy and I recently became big fans of TikTok. Yay. And as we were preparing <laughs> oh, for the show, <laughs> yeah. I saw your TikTok with your mom and I've got to say that was one of the greatest things I've seen in this new pandemic life that we're living. Can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with your mom? Like you two are clearly having a blast there. It was awesome. Oh yeah. So first of all, like my mom is just a ton of fun. And like, she, she'll, she'll be the first to tell you that she didn't raise us like her children. She raised us like her friends. And, you know, she, she's always been like anywhere we go. My mom wants to have the most fun possible. And we could have just so much fun doing nothing. And so she can't, she comes here. My, actually, my whole family came here. Um, my my grandfather was turning 90. My aunt came, two of my my aunts and some of their friends. And they we were all, they rented an Airbnb in Mesa. They were going to go and watch the Cubs versus Dodgers spring training game because I grew up a Dodger fan. My whole family's a bunch of Dodger fans. And so we were going to go to the spring training game. Well, that was ended up being the last game that got canceled uh due to this, this outbreak and so we're, we're they got kind of stuck there like we didn't know what we were going to do we were all supposed to go to the game so then we ended up just going and having like a little get together at their airbnb and so then my mom had come up probably i think she came up a week earlier so she spent a week with me and then she was going to drive back to california with them so we spent a week together just her and i and everything was shut down so we just kind of like hung out and didn't do much and we just had a blast so the video i was showing her the because she's a big uh a-rod and j-lo fan so oh, yeah. i was showing her the video of them do it and then all of a sudden she goes we should do that and i thought to myself I'm like oh my god this would be perfect because my mom is like super feminine super girly and i am <laughs> so not and so it just became like i'm like this is gonna be really good mom and so it was like a hit and it like I don't, it didn't go viral and that's probably not a good term to use at this point in time anyway, but um, it, it was big in our little, like in my little Instagram, Twitter bubble and it got a lot of like love from, you know, just people that I haven't heard from in a while. So I'm glad it put a smile on people's faces, but that, if, if there was ever a video to show how good of a sport my mom is and how fun she is, that would be the one. I mean, Andy, you all are doing TikTok Thursdays at your house too, right? Yes. This is a lot of pressure right now because it is TikTok Thursday. And I just realized it's TikTok Thursday. We've been so busy doing other things today that we have very little time after this recording to go get up our TikTok for this Thursday. So now oh, yeah. I think I'm going to use your idea, Rachel. And I have three daughters, so I can pick which one I want to switch with. <laughs> Or you could just all switch. That would be cool. You could all switch into each other. Oh, I like that. that. It would I be like, like that. a group switch. Yes. That would be cool. 
Oh my gosh, they would love that. And they're probably listening yeah. to me say this right now and they're like going to hold me to this. So stay tuned for this video. <laughs> it's going to be great. I'm well, so it excited. Is, it's TikTok Thursday. So if you get it wrong, there's always next Thursday. That's so, true. <laughs> we got a couple Thursdays to make up yeah, for it. it. Well, so t TikTok Thursdays, literally one of our favorite things here. Uh, you all will have to check out both Rachel's TikTok and Andy's. I'm going to move back to baseball for a second. Um, another thing I noticed, you know, looking around social, getting to know you a little bit, you p have a pinned tweet about your coaching philosophy and your approach. And that really spoke to me as a person who I, I coached high school debate for years. And these are not the same thing, clearly, like one is athletic and one is a mental competition. But a lot of the philosophy for how you work with people and how you get them to bring out their best and how you set an environment where you can really guide them to excel rather than constantly trying to like force them into particulars really yeah. resonated with me. Can you tell me a little bit about that particular blog entry, where it came from and your coaching philosophy? Yeah, so I, you know, I, 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 was, a, I was a really, really successful, good softball player. I had a really good career. So naturally, when I first started coaching, I thought I knew everything, right? Like most, you you go on, on Twitter or you go on Facebook and you see ex-players, they've had some success, and they think that that all of a sudden gives them the right to tell everybody exactly what to do. And so that, I, that was totally me. I was, I was a good player. You guys don't know anything. I know everything. Look how good I was. And I wanted a lot of the credit for the, that I coached. And so I was sending them off to college after having coached him for, you know, one to three years at this point, And I'm like, huh, these kids are not successful in college. None of them. I like, I, I didn't have a, uh, one like little conference player or something. And I thought these, these girls were going to be really, really good. And so I just kind of took a step back and I thought, well, what's the common denominator here? Well, it's me. It's, it's, I did not adequately prepare them for, that the next level I made them really 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 good at practice and what I honestly made them really good at was pleasing me at practice and so you know I it was like oh well Rachel told me I did a good job so I must be doing a good job but they didn't really understand why they were getting better and so when you remove the coach from the situation they they couldn't coach themselves and they they needed to and then you know you go through the philosophy change when you get to college and they didn't have you know, the arsenal or the ammo in their back pocket that said that they owned their swings and they owned their process. So I didn't do a good job. And so I started to think, okay, well, I need to do less. I need to do more on the front end, you know, by setting things up a certain way, but then I need to do less on the back end, which is when we are actually in the cage hitting with each other, I need to do less. I need to, I need to ask more questions. I need to listen more. I need to make, encourage them to, to A, understand that failure is a part of this process and then b that they they are coming up with their own process so that way when they're struggling and they're you know 2,000 miles away from home when they went off to college they can own their own process and they they know how to coach themselves so i was basically i went from a coach that wanted all the credit to a coach that really wanted my job to become obsolete right that's the goal right. that should be the goal of every coach is I should coach myself obsolete where you don't need me anymore. And that I, I started to, to see just them flourish, especially mentally, where it became okay to talk about failure in a hitting lesson, where before it was like I would just throw them balls, they would hit you know, 850 in practice, and then they would think they were really good. 
season and they'd wonder what went wrong. But I hit so good at practice. I hear that from all the, all the parents, too. I don't understand why she can't do this in a game. Well, this is because this is not game-like, and I need to make it more game-like. So they became more comfortable with failure being part of the process. And then the conversation started to change from, you know, what they were struggling with in a game to they just walked in and they're like, hey, listen, I sucked yesterday and I need to get better. It became okay to talk about. Like they didn't, they didn't feel like they had to, to hold back. And all of a sudden you were, you were seeing this mental maturity go on as well. And so that's where I really started to think like, wow, I, you know, I went from a coach that thought that I knew everything to I really didn't know anything about these girls whatsoever. And, you know, I started to get baseball clients flooding in at this point as well. But most of the time it was just softball players. I'm like, I really didn't know anything about these girls. And I thought I did. And now it's like, we're having more honest conversations. They're owning their process more. It's just, it's, I think you said two things there that really resonate with me. And then I'm going to turn it back to Andy for a second, but both the idea of a process orientation, I think is so important in almost any endeavor, whether it's something you're training for personally, like a marathon or a half marathon or something that you're working with somebody else on like a goal, like I want to win the national debate tournament, or I want to be a college softball player. I want to be an all American. That process focus really allows you to get out of your head on the individual times you succeeded or failed and focus on something long-term that will get you better, even if it's not your best day. And it also lets you work through those failures, which frankly I found over time as I grew as a coach, and I'm curious if this resonates with you, that those moments of failure were actually the places where my kids grew the most and being able to yeah. work through those were so important. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. Like we can't in- avoid that in our game. It is literally built into the fabric of the game. Like I, well, one of my favorite things to explain to people is that we're playing a game that can never be over until enough people fail. If you play basketball, the game is over when time runs out. If you play football, the game is over when the time limit's over. But in baseball and softball, you can't fail until, I'm sorry, the game cannot end until enough people fail, until there's enough out. So, like, you literally can't end the game until enough people fail. So, you can't avoid it. The game will never end. That's that's the beautiful (laughs) part about our game is it will never end unless you know, enough people fail. And I guess you could look at it as, as a defensive win. Sure. But that's, I, I, you can't avoid it. It's, it's unavoidable in our game. Theoretically, you could go through a basketball game and no one could miss a shot and the game could still end, but you can't do that in our sport. And so that's where I think, you know, getting people to understand that is it, it's tricky at first, but once you kind of get over that hump, of like, no, this is, this is the hardest sport ever from a skill standpoint and it, it becomes really easy to train them. It's just kind of like you free them to fail. So then you free them to come up with their own process and you free them to succeed as well. Okay. Well, speaking about um, some of your career highlights um, as far as softball is concerned, I want to make sure that we get this out there because I don't think people <laughs> know your resume. So stay with me people. Cause this is a long list. She not only was a great fast pitch softball player, she was a four-time All-American at Marshall University. She played at the pro level for five years and landed in the top 10 in NPF, which national, national, (laughs) help me here, Rachel, NPF. National Pro Fast Pitch. 
Thank you. It's the hardest acronym to, to roll out. <laughs> Listen, and I've said it, I've said it a million times. I don't know why, for whatever reason, it was hard that time. So she landed in the top 10 in MPF history at home runs, RBIs, walks, and doubles. And in during her five years, Two of those years, she won championships with the Chicago Bandits. She also founded what she has spoke about a little bit, Golden Fast Pitch, which was is a softball and baseball training facility focusing on biomechanics, science, technology, and data and hitting. And somewhere in all of that, she also coached at the collegiate level. So me being someone who has played college softball, I know how insanely hard any of that is. Just one little piece of that is. But to have all of those accomplishments under your belt are, is just phenomenal. So I read this just a day or so ago when I was getting ready to talk to you that you said just recently you believe that your coaching experience is what's going to help you be the most successful in your role with, with the Chicago Cubs organization. Can you elaborate on that a bit and, and let us know exactly why you feel that way? You mean as opposed to my playing experience? Yes. Is that what you're – Yes, yes. yes. I, I mean, the playing experience does matter. Um, the fact that I was successful at playing matters a little. It doesn't matter as much as people think. I think that kind of gets me in the door. That doesn't really um, keep me there at any point um, because it, it all comes down to can I communicate with the players? And if if I was a really, really good player, but I have zero clue why, and I just teach every player to do exactly what I did. I'm not a good communicator. If I, what, what made, what at least gave me a chance to be a decent coach was the fact that I was always curious. Yes, I was successful. Yes, I was good. But I always wanted to know why. I mean, I always wanted to know why I was good. I was constantly on the computer checking my statistics and comparing myself to other players. I was constantly looking at video. I mean, you could not get me out of softball brain ever. And so I always wanted to know why. And that curiosity is what led over into coaching and what gave me a chance to be a good coach. So, like, it's not – it has nothing to do with the fact that, oh, yeah, I, I know what it's like to succeed. I mean, that does help. There are going to be players that you have to talk to that you, you have to walk them through that process of what it's like to win, right? You have to – Hey, listen. When he throws this pitch, if you sit on it, I want you to, you know, try to do this. And that experience does come into play, but it's not because I was good at it. It's just because I can now take that experience and I can communicate it with a player, or at least I can make myself relatable to that player in a way that allows them to kind of open themselves up and and listen to what I have to say. That yeah, that is absolutely amazing. And to have that resume, like I don't think. Um, when, when you initially were hired, there was such focus on the fact that you were a female coach coming into the organization. And, and I don't think people like understand the background that you bring to this position. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later, but I just, I, so impressive. Like this resume just, I, I, I mean, my jaw was on the floor when I was just reading all the, the different accolades that you have. I mean, just amazing. Well, I mean, thank you. But I, again, like. If, if it doesn't mean anything unless I can communicate and, you know, the players have to, you have to do two things when you coach that I think have to be first and foremost. Number one, you got to care. You have to care about the players that you're coaching and actually care about them and not just about their performance, but care about them as people. And you have to be a good communicator. And if you can't do those two things, 
you could be the best player in the world or you could be the worst player in the world. It ain't going to work. Absolutely. I totally hear that. We are actually going to take a quick break right here for our sponsors. But on the flip side, we have a lot more with Rachel Folden. We'll be talking about other experience that she's had, what she thought in her brief time at spring training with the Cubs, and how she's embracing her new role with the Chicago Cubs. But first, a few words from our sponsors. And we're back. So, Rachel, you already talked a little bit about how you were down in spring training. Your family was there. It's funny. My family, I had some family members who were also supposed to go to that Cubs Dodgers game and were really bummed about it. Um, A couple of questions here. What stood out to you most about the team in your short time with them down in Arizona? And as a coach, how do you think they and you will handle this disruption to the schedule? I mean, I know most athletes are creatures of habit, and this is a pretty big wrench in the system. Uh, well, I mean, my, the thing that stands out a lot with the Cubs organization and one of the things that drew me to them, you know, through the interview process that made me feel super, super comfortable is the, the Cubs are player centric. And I think I, I don't get the vibe that that happens in every organization and it should, because the players are your greatest asset and, you know, there's, they're, they're dealing with so many things um, like this, this COVID-19 outbreak that is just wrecking everybody right now. I don't know what's going to happen from here. We've never been through this before. So your guess is as good as mine. Um, I know that we are staying in constant communication with the players um, through group chats and, you know, staying in communication with them through email. We, we've, like made it a point to make them feel as comfortable as possible. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's tough. Like there it's tough on the coaches too. You know, a lot of us don't know when we're going back to work and, you know, with, with the sta- the status of the economy, I mean, if, if the, the club doesn't make money, we're all kind of like worried, like, Hey, are we, are, are our paychecks? Okay. You know, like there are, there's always, there's uncertainty for everybody. Um, I know that Cubs are doing a fantastic job and they've done such a good job of communicating with us and making us feel comfortable. But, you know, as far as like what's going to happen from here, I, I have no idea. So if you guys have any insight to that and you have any, uh, you know, a crystal ball, you let me know. <laughs> we, we have no crystal ball here. It's, it's funny. I actually, I, I alluded to this at the top of the show. I've been doing literally just a diary of life without baseball because I didn't know what the stories would be, but I knew they would exist. And I, yep. every day just kind of wake up like, well, uncertainty day 21. Okay. We're still, nobody knows what's going to happen next. This is wild. <laughs> it's wild. You know, they're still trying to figure out a plan for if, if they're going to finish the season, how they're going to do it. I, I mean, I, I have no idea. I, I just, you know, I was listening to the radio not too long ago and they were talking about the NBA season. I mean, that just got halted right smack in the middle of it. You know, it's like, there. imagine that happening, you know, like we haven't started our season yet. This is super, super difficult, but imagine like, what, what does the NBA do right now? They just had their season stopped. You know, they've got playoffs coming up. I, I, I mean, it's just, it's difficult on everybody. So this is totally fine if you don't, if you can't answer this or you don't want to answer this, but have you had much contact with the major league players? Or are you mostly just working primarily with the minor league players? Um, I've been around major league players. They are, you know, I mean, they're, they, they practice on a different set of fields than us and their locker room is on the other side of the minor league locker room. So 
you see them in, you know, like in the dining hall, you see them when you eat. Um, and I, I mean, I go, I try as much as I can, you know, as much as my schedule allows that when they're, you know, having a hitting session and it's major league guys, I make myself available for it. So I'll go, you know, put on a uniform and go an hour early and go try to catch them in during their morning early work and just be around them. And so, yeah, I've had some interaction with them. They're all really, really nice. Um, they're all really, really open and they love to talk about baseball. And so you see them a lot in the, in the weight room too. You just, yeah, I've had some interaction with them as far as like working with them. Um, there's been like probably two or three players where I've had limited coaching experience with at the very, very beginning when I first got here. And just because we kind of had a skeleton staff before uh, camp started. So, you know, just working in the cage, but it, a lot of it was just, hey, what are you working on today? How can I help you? Versus, you know, me trying to come in guns blazing and trying to tell them, you know, hey, I think you should do this. Like that's, they're, they're big leaguers for a reason. They're really, really good. So, you know, trying to get to know them, is it's got to happen first. Sure. Well, and I mean, and you, you kind of alluded to this too, but you have been extremely busy and there has been a lot of media surrounding you joining this team. Um, mainly because you're one of what two female coaches joining major league teams this year um or major three. league or yeah are there three no, there, i'm sorry there's four of us there's three others other than me so there's four oh, total yeah perfect okay yeah that's awesome i i only knew of the two well and mostly because the uh, the other gal i think her name is also rachel that joined the the yankees yep. yeah you guys yep. were kind of right at the same time weren't you announced like within the yes. same week yeah i think i think i think we got announced on the same day actually oh really wow yeah i knew yeah. it was close um well my question for you is as far as making the focus the, you know that's a big focus right now that there's a there's a couple of female coaches now joining organizations and how have you worked to make sure that the focus around you is not just on your gender, but on the fact that you have a lot to bring to the table as far as, you know, your strategies and your philosophies and, and how good, I mean, Justin Stone has attested to the fact that you are going to be somebody that makes a huge difference in this organization. And how have you tried to focus on making that the forefront rather than your gender? I mean, you can't avoid the gender question right now, and we shouldn't, right? It's important. It's important that, uh, a, you know, a young girl can turn on the television and see Rachel Balkovec in pinstripes or see Rachel Folden in, you know, cubby blue. It, that's important. That, that immediately, for, for the same reason that it was important for, you know, like, uh, players to look up and, and turn on the TV and see an African-American ball player. Like these things are important. And yes, do I want to be judged ultimately on my merit? Absolutely. Do I know that I got this job because of what I can do as a coach? Yes, absolutely. But it's okay to talk about. I'm not, I'm not shying away from it. I'm not, you know, I, I don't want this to be something that we don't talk about because it, it's necessary. And I think in, in a strange way, this, this kind of sports lull has really opened up people to, to, to write stories like, you know, the one that was just in the Associated Press the other day um, that talk about us because I think this is important. I think this is an important time that says, hey, listen, like, it, it's, it's no different than the, than the Yale grad who comes in and is a data analyst who's never played baseball before. 
right? Technically, I've never played Major League Baseball before, but that doesn't mean that I'm not well qualified for my position. So I think, you know, we, we, we're starting to see that happen. Non-baseball people are starting to get into baseball more often. And so me being a woman, I'm, trust me, I'm baseball people, but it, it, I think it's important for us to talk about and to have that, that be something that can really open a lot of people's eyes because I do think there's a lot of qualified women out there that not only can coach but can scout, can do data and analytics. There's, there's tons of positions for women in baseball, and you know I'm happy to be someone that at least opens up that conversation. I have to say, when you said sees Rachel Folden and Cubby Blue, I got the absolute chills. Like, I <laughs> cannot wait for that. Like, that is, to, to see that is is going to be remarkable. Like, I, I, uh, I miss baseball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will tell you, Nike did a fantastic job. They, uh, they sent all of us, all the women, they, they sized us up and sent us, like, custom-made, like, female uniforms that yes. match the male uniform that's amazing so, like yeah i know there's been a lot of um a lot of like videos of like you know balkovec over there she's like i don't know if you've ever seen this girl like work out yes. but she's yes. like, like yeah. yeah she's like super jacked so she's like her uniform is like fits her like a freaking glove it's awesome and then i i put on the pants and i'm like these are like made for me it's really cool so you know thank you did a really really fantastic job with not letting us wear like just a bunch of like men's clothes and like right. women them. Yeah. yeah. You know, they actually fit us. So I'm I'm pretty happy about it. That's amazing. That is so cool that they do that. And they, they really don't have a choice. And and now that they're the 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 uniform provider, you know, they they ha they definitely yeah. needed to do that. So that's amazing. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. I mean, as a woman who refused to buy my Javi Baez jersey until they made the women's version with the accent mark on it, like the men's version had, I appreciate that they are making the uniforms work for women and that they are that's, recognizing That's serious that. commitment right there. I like that. I was so angry about it. I was like, why, did, why is there an accent mark on the men's jersey, but not the women's jersey? That doesn't make any sense. His name is his name. Of course, it's his name. That's 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 awesome. I love the commitment. That's a great story. It's awesome. <laughs> um, well, speaking of great stories, so another story that you have on your blog that I just wanted people to be aware of. You shared a video talking about trying out for Team USA and what that process meant for you and what you learned from it. Can you share a little bit with our listeners how trying out for Team USA made you a better coach, uh, even though it didn't work out the way maybe you wanted it to? Um, yeah, I think so the, the Team USA thing was, so I played and I was a good player and I never, ever got invited to try out for Team USA, ever. And that was like one mountaintop that I, I never got to reach. Um, I was never given the opportunity to do it. And so they announced that they were going to have this open tryout. And I was just joking about it. I'm like, I want to go and just see what happens. And, you know, so I'm like, well, if I'm going to do it, this is my personality, which hundred percent like this this says a lot about me is I'm like, well I'm not gonna do it halfway. So I'm gonna train for it. You know, I've got a facility. I'm gonna train for it. I've got unlimited amount of resources. So I trained for it. Um tried to get myself back into softball shape and I'm like if there's really a chance that they're actually like this is a one hundred percent like open tryout, come show us what you got. I'm at least going to put myself in the best position to do it. So we get there. It's very 
limited reps. Um, the format is, it, it is what it is. It's, I, that's not what, why you're asking me that question. But what I think that, uh, that helps me with coaching is I think my players got to see me. That I told everybody what I was doing. Um, my players got to see me put myself out there for something. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here preaching to them to, you know, work hard and chase your dreams and, you know, don't let, you know, don't take no for an answer and all those coaching cliches. Well, guess what? I kind of put my money where my mouth was and, yeah. uh, you know, and literally and figuratively. And so, you know, like going through that process of training and then knowing, and I knew, I knew that maybe there was like literally like a 1% chance that this would work out, that it would be like, it helped that the players could see me training for something and working towards something that was a dream of mine. That that's like, like them wanting to go play in college. And I think what it did was it kind of leveled our playing field between each other where I, I was going through the same process that they were going through. And also they, I, I kind of understood them and their process a little bit better too, of what it's like to maybe go to a showcase and, play in front of a, a bunch of college coaches, you know, including your dream school and saying, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I want to go to this school, even though, you know, there's probably like a 1% chance that you're actually going to do it, but you're going to put yourself out there and put your best foot forward. So I think it, it was just, it was a really cool experience for my, my players to see, because I told them all I was doing it for them to see me go through it and see me like really train hard for it. And then, also to watch me fail and just say, Hey, but you know what? I'm, it was the, the process was the fun part for me. It wasn't the result. It was the process. And it just kind of spoke to what I'm trying to teach them. So I have a softball question because I um, am trying to like figure out, I've been watching college softball, like the world series. They didn't start televising regionals and, and, sectionals and super sectionals until just like the past few years. So I've been watching it for a very long time. Like I graduated college in 2001, if that tells you how long I've been watching it. So gotcha. um, did you ever get to face Monica Abbott? Yeah. I mean, she was my teammate too. Yeah. Um, I, thought, I was going to say, I thought you played with her too. Yeah. She's uh, I, I would much rather have her on my team than to play against her. Let's just start there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's, so I'm a lefty. I'm a lefty hitter, and I'm like five foot four, and Monica's like six foot three, and she's oh also a lefty. So it literally felt like every time I would face her, like the ball was coming from behind my right ear. That's what it felt like, and it, you know, at like a hundred miles an hour. Not, you know, I'm obviously like just joking around, but I mean, the hardest I ever saw her throw was 78. Pretty fast. I was going to say, so the reason why I asked that is because, and for people that don't know or, or maybe don't know the name, um, Monica Abbott is one of the best pitchers to ever play the game. She was just in St. Louis in this way as she was on the news uh, a few weeks back and she was throwing no less than 78 miles an hour. Um, just giving a demo, obviously Team USA, they're trying to get that ramped up now, which will be the Olympics for next year. But um, so she is, she is not young. I mean, what, she's 30-something? Yeah, well, I'm 33, and I think she's 34. 
Um, I think she's a year ahead of me. Well, I just, I thought it was really cool because, um, for anybody that has daughters that play softball or anybody that's a fan of softball, I thought it was really cool to see her. And she was pitching to a couple girls who played for, um, Lindenwood, which is a local university here in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And they have a very good team. And she was pitching against them. Like they were just standing and they weren't actually hitting off of her, but they were just standing in the box and their faces, (laughs) were priceless. Oh yeah. He's throwing this, you know, 78 mile an hour fastball and she's 30 something years old. I just, I love that story because I think that's fantastic that, you know, softball is kind of one of those sports that, I mean, I still play and I'm 41 years old and I am probably the most competitive 41 year old female (laughs) on the field at all times. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's, it's nice for me to be able to like have someone kind of justify that (laughs) softball is not an easy game. It's not, no, especially not when Monica Abbott's pitching. Are you kidding me? Again, much <laughs> rather have her on my team than play against her. So I was also fortunate, like, I played with Jenny Finch, and Finch was my teammate. I never, not once in my life, ever had to take an at-bat against Jenny Finch. And that is the greatest thing that has ever happened to my life, is that I never had to hit off of her. I only <laughs> had to, I, I, I got to catch her. I got to watch her do her greatness thing, but I never had to hit off of her. So that's <laughs> probably the highlight of my softball career. The videos of Jenny Finch where she's throwing and you can see how hard she hits a target absolutely yep. blow my mind. Like I yeah. I don't think people realize the amount of force <laughs> that a softball yeah. comes at you with. Yeah. It's there's a lot of inertia that's behind a softball for sure. So. Oh, totally. Well, you know, we're all dealing with there not being any sports at the moment, in particular baseball. Uh, how are you keeping busy? What's keeping you busy while we wait for baseball to come back? And what's your, what are you doing on a daily basis when you're not being interviewed by us and Cubs Insider and all the other people who wanted to get to know you a little bit better? Uh, well, I mean, I've got two Labradors that uh, require a lot of exercise. So they're keeping me very active, which I'm very happy about. Um, I think they're very sick of going on like a walk every hour now. I think they're, they've had it. Like they've, they've officially had all the walks. And, um, but no, I, I, I still run bold and fast pitch. We've completely switched to online training only right now, just to keep the face-to-face contact at a minimum. So bold and fast pitch is in full force. I've got four really, really incredible instructors that are holding down the fort. So I've been giving some online lessons. They've been giving more than I have, but I've been giving some online lessons and, um, just checking up with my family, um, you know, calling people, talking to people. I mean, just getting back that that connection that we've kind of been missing when the world gets really, really busy. So I've really enjoyed that. And I've enjoyed the slowdown and getting to catch up with my family. I've also been reading a lot. Um, I've like, I, I've read two books since we've been shut down. So I'm working on my third right now. And uh, what are you reading? Keep... Right now, I'm reading a book called The Performance Cortex. And it's basically about how the brain makes decisions in baseball kind of interesting okay that's awesome so, I'm yeah I know like I'm, a, I'm you know I put on a uniform as a jock every day but I'm a giant nerd so <laughs> I love to read and I love to, to to learn so um yeah I've been I've been reading and then I cook a lot. I have not ordered out one time since we've been shut down so I've been cooking and having some fun with that and 
sometimes I'll post a video on the Instagram story of me just dancing and cooking, which is like one of my favorite things to do. So like, you know, just, just, I'm just trying to like maintain as much of my normalcy as I can. You know, I'm still getting up early in the morning, just like I was in spring training. I'm trying to like just do the things so that, cause I, baseball will come back. And when it comes back, I want to make sure that I'm ready and I want to give it my best effort. So I, I, I'm just trying to do as much as I, as I can to stay sharp with that. I personally uh, just want to say one more thing before I know we have to close out, but I personally just want to say, like, I am so thrilled that you're with this organization and just knowing what we know now, now about you and what you bring to the table. Like I look forward for all the things to come between you and the lab and, and working with all the players. I just, I just can't wait to see where you take us and I, definitely rooting for you here. Definitely rooting for I, you. I appreciate that. I am blessed to be part of this organization too. I think it's it's a first class organization that's done a really, really good job. Yeah, I have to echo what Andy said there. I mean, I was at Cubs convention a couple of years ago and a girl who was about nine years old asked Theo when the women were coming into the organization and he said he made the comment then that um the Cubs organization is a world class organization and that you cannot be a world class organization if you're not listening to all of the strongest voices. And I thought that was a great answer, but I was really impressed yep. that they moved on that within a year. I thought I was very incredibly happy about that. And I just personally also love that you're going to be working with all of the talent that the Cubs have at the ground level. Like everybody who comes through the minor league system is going to get an opportunity to learn from you, to see um, what their processes should be like and how they can maximize them. And I'm so excited about this, Rachel. It's going to be awesome. Well, yeah, thank you. Um, I'm I'm very, very excited to, you know, I, I want to get back to work. I feel like I, I got started and it's like, I felt like a backup quarterback and I just got my, you know, my chance to go in, you know, after <laughs> sitting behind like a Tom Brady forever. It's like, you, you know, you sit behind and you watch this great organization and you're like, wow, I finally get to be a part of it. And then it's like, psych, this season is on hold. And it just got <laughs> taken and I'm like, gosh, I just want to get back to work. I was having so much fun. So. <laughs> well, we will be here when you get back to work and when baseball is back. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter. Rachel, where can people find you on Twitter and Instagram with your cooking videos? Oh, uh, gosh. Uh, all of my social media is at Fold and Fast Pitch. So awesome. every single thing is at Fold and Fast Pitch. I do have a personal Facebook page, which is open to the public. So I'm not trying to, you know, it's not like I use that to hide from people. Um, every, I mean, I am who I am on all the social media outlets. So, you know, at Fulman Fast Pitch, if you, if you want to, you know, join the party, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we most certainly will. Uh, you can find me at at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find Andy at at BRYZ underscore Blue. You can find both of us and all of the content related to Cup of Cubby Blue at at Cup of Cubby Blue. And we will be back next week talking about the lack of baseball, but what we're looking forward to. And we're really grateful that Rachel joined us today. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Thank you very much, ladies.